Welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stavros. Today we're visiting with Melissa Rain Anderson. Melissa is directing this season's production of The Coconuts. This is Melissa's first year directing for the Utah Shakespeare Festival, and we're thrilled and honored to have her with us. Melissa Rain Anderson is a New York-based director, actor, and acting coach. She directs in New York City and regionally, specializing in musicals. Her acting credits include television appearances on Law & Order, SVU, and Lipstick Jungle. She's been in national tours, off-Broadway, in regional theater, and voiceover work, as well as several cast recordings. She teaches master classes regularly with emphasis on musical theater, audition technique, and acting through song. Melissa coaches acting privately in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, a peek inside Melissa Rain Anderson's brain. Four young brothers are playing on a pool in late summer afternoon. Their mother calls for them to come into dinner. Panic. They suddenly go into their routines. They know them well. They need not communicate to each other. They instinctually go from one tactic to another, seamlessly, anxiously squeezing every last drop of summer fun out of this day. They swim to all four corners of the pool, they dive underwater, meet in the middle, and form a human totem pole. Quickly they dive back again underwater, just in time to miss their mother's call again, and again, and again. Perfectly timed. They jump out of the pool and conga into the village, collecting friends along the way. This is the very best party anyone's ever been to. Everyone wants in. Even if you are the butt of the joke, people joyfully join in on the shenanigans. Soon our band of four lead the traveling conga line up into the trees. They're leaping from palm tree to palm tree, juggling coconuts as they fly through the air. They are the superheroes of comedy. Of course, in this scenario, I suppose I'm the mom. <laughs> Melissa, welcome to the Play On podcast. Thank you. That's the first uh, introduction we got to uh, your thoughts on coconuts, uh, and I thought was a good way to sort of start our conversation. You're, uh, you're uh, managing the mayhem of a Marx Brothers play, and you're, as we record, you're in the final weeks of rehearsal, getting into tech and dress here in the next little while. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you as you sort of reflect on those words at the beginning of the process, and now as you're in the middle of it, uh, do you still feel like the mom? <laughs> Barely, uh, uh, you know, it's like herding cats, basically. Uh, you know, they're so good at what they do. The actors are so good at what they do. Uh, keeping them free and buoyant and alive is also my job, you know, so I do have to lay the law down, but uh, with a sense of frivolity. You yeah. Know, otherwise, you know, it's a comedy killer, right? Totally. <laughs> so uh, Co The Coconuts is a Marx Brothers story. It's mm -hmm. the first Marx Brothers movie. It is, yes. Uh, and one of the few I, I've learned that it actually has all four brothers in it. There aren't a ton. Um, but uh, knowing that it's the first one of the first sort of major talking pictures and sort of set the stage for the coconuts, as you uh, as you prepared as a director, uh, what was your approach in terms of tackling the Marx Brothers? Well, you know, this adaptation is really, really great because it truly is a musical. It's a musical comedy. So although it stays really true to the Marx Brothers comedy, I mean, word for word, line for line, sometimes from directly from the movie, um, Mark Bedard, the adapter, calibrated it really nicely because we do move towards music, you know? Uh -huh. So in the traditional sense that we know how musicals work, it does have a little bit of urgency and pressure. And there's, uh, through the mayhem, there is a sense that we're gonna, we need to tell the story, which is great. So yeah. that was sort of my way in. Um, and also in the, the adapter's notes, Mark uh, suggests that, you know, uh, in the adapter's notes, Mark suggests that uh, speed is our friend. And I'm a big fan of high-paced 
comedy. You know, let the audience catch up. You uh-huh. don't necessarily have to wait for things to land. And the Marx Brothers traditionally uh, are they their comedy is about volume (laughs) what i like to call they throw a lot of darts yeah uh not every dart lands and i think it's an accumulative process so it's an it's it's sort of the humor kind of creeps up on you and and that was really interesting getting into the style of that marx brothers humor but like i said it is it's built like a musical so it's great because i direct a lot of musicals so i understood that part really really well it's like oh great they're setting us up but we're always going to push towards a beautiful irving berlin tune uh excellent excellent um so i I like what you said about this idea that the marx brothers comedy um builds the sort of the slow forming avalanche that is perhaps you realize uh later on how it's all worked together uh, there's also, I think, a reputation that it's somewhat, especially with the show, uh, it's been produced a couple of other places, not very many, that there's a, there's a, a, a sense of improv, a sense of mm. development through each show's process. Mm-hmm. Did you find that was the case with you and your actors, that there was jokes and things that formed and grew Absolutely. line by line along the way? Absolutely. I mean, we're being pretty true to what's on the page because I think in, in the true sense, it sort of is improv written down in in a strange way so you kind of have to step into that style and making it feel like it's fresh but uh you know of course keeping it alive is is their job and they're they're really great at it um and there are sections where they do have more freedom Mm -hmm. where you know night to night it could be a different gag it could be a different joke depending on how the audience responds um groucho has quite a few open little open measures where he lobs up different things every time we do it. And, you know, like last night we were teching the, uh, the finale and there's an open measure for him. There's a, there's a joke. And I think we did probably teched it 10 to 11 times. And every single time he did something different, (laughs) which is great, you know, because it's, it's fun for the cast because then they are also entertained by him and it keeps it alive and fresh for them. And it's a long run, you know, they run through October 15th. So I think that'll serve them well to have little, you know, Easter eggs, little yeah. gifts along the way that help them stay in the moment. Awesome. Um, for sure. But it's, but it's also a tough nut because you have to structure it. You have to structure it enough so that the freedom isn't scary. Yeah. Well, and that it doesn't kill the pace that you were talking about. Right. Because freedom can also bog it, the, the humor can theoretically bog itself down. And Absolutely. What a fun job for you to manage that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> manage yeah. that going back and forth. <laughs> Uh, did you talk about your process preparing for this show? Um, you, you mentioned you directed a lot of musicals, which is great. Uh, was, what's your process generally as a director and then how did that apply or what, or what changed as you prep for this one? I like to read the script a lot, you know, maybe first blush. I just, I read and see what pops out at me. I give myself little tasks, uh, you know, tracking the props, tracking everything that people say about Groucho, uh, tracking, you know, little things to just to keep me engaged in the play uh, and the way that the bits work. So I actually come... (laughs) come from a town where there was a theater that actually did vaudeville shows. They reenacted vaudeville shows so this is sort of (laughs) in my blood like as far as uh the timing goes and uh these kind of old shticky vaudeville bits well and you and you've seen it as a youth perhaps 
where it worked and where it didn't. Yeah, yeah. I was an observer because I was a, I was a kid in, in this theater, so I would watch the adults, you know, painstakingly go over, you know, one, two, three. You know, some there's a rhythm to it. There's a specificity to it. That there's a math to it that can give you a true comedy headache. You know, if you're uh -huh. really dissecting it and it it's down. And I'm. I'm kind of an assassin that way. Like, I, <laughs> I really want it. I don't want a beat to go by. Uh-uh. We have to go back. We have to go back. We have to go back. It's it's torture for them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we need we need to find the right rhythm. Yeah. Right? So, um, anyway, so I, I, you know, I read the script a lot. Of course, I watched the movie. Uh, and, you know, a big inspiration to me is um, Warner Brothers, mm -hmm. Bugs Bunny. So, kind of go going back to the source of where I think I learned comic timing from and why it's funny. And this particular production also does use a lot of Foley um, sounds from the band and crazy sort of Spike Jones um, kind of interesting noises mm -hmm. inside the comedy that also create a very specific rhythm. So uh, listening to that, that kind of thing and also watching uh, helps, helps to refresh, oh, that's why that's funny. Tell us, let's, I, uh, I'm so glad you brought up the Looney Tunes because that was, when I saw the show for the first time, that was my thought. It's like, this is like watching a live action Warner Brothers cartoon. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. to see the sort of classic, um, those classic jokes, the classic sort of bits and things, it, it made me wonder for you, uh, you've directed a lot of comedy, you've directed a lot of musicals. Now, as you return to an older play, whether or not it's the oldest musical you've directed in terms of when it was sort of formed, and obviously we're talking about a modern adaptation, but did you find in working on the coconuts this, the seeds of future bits, this, the beginnings of styles and, 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 and jokes and bits that, were, that have evolved over the past 60, 70 years into new and wonderful things? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I hadn't thought of that until until you brought that up but yes yes of course we're sort of coming back home to where comedy as we know it started you know and, and it is the vaudeville circuit and then they got to put it on film so it became part of all of our consciousness i mean mm -hmm. that their timing is impeccable they know how to be generous uh comedy is hard because uh it it's almost more vulnerable than doing something more dramatic because you have to dive into it. You have to go towards it. You cannot control it so much. You have to allow yourself to be free. And the Marx Brothers are absolutely geniuses at that. They're, they're clowns, sure. So, so in a way they're playing character, but they absolutely have to be generous with their gift. Um, so it kind of does get back to the seed of what we know in America as modern day comic timing. I mean, it's in every sitcom mm -hmm. that you turn on. Um, it's funny that you say that it feels like a live action Looney Tunes because you, cartoons can go really fast, yeah. faster than humans, right? So I think we're always trying to catch up to that speed, you know, and, you know, we can painstakingly go over a, you know, a double take. Is it a double take or is it a triple take with a point? Do I go back, 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 back? The key toss, look, 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 look. Where's, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're... Yeah. <laughs> We're literally saying these words out loud so that we can all feel the rhythm of, of it. And it's almost like fight choreography where we have to do the, the language with it mm -hmm. so that we all get on the train. It's choreographed. It's, yeah, the choreogra choreographing the comedy. Yep. Well, and, I, and I, one of, that's one of the things I love to talk about 
uh, with guests or with listeners when we talk about it is there's so much is there's an appreciation I think that comes into putting so knowing that so much work goes in to a piece of comedy like this and that so much of that work will be hidden or mm. discarded because you'll just be experiencing the results of that work. But I think it makes it all the more enjoyable knowing that you and the actors and, and many others, musicians and so forth, have been crafting and sculpting this comedy. I mean, you say it in your notes, K's. K's are funny. K's are crafting funny. The, yeah. Crafting the comedy. <laughs> you, carefully calibrating comedy, I think is what you said. true. Yeah, so, it's the, it's one of the hardest jobs. <laughs> it's like brain surgery. We take it very seriously. <laughs> this comedy is very serious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, excellent. So uh, one of the things I want to talk about um, is sort of an interesting festival connection. I noticed uh, as I was, uh, we're friends on Facebook now. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. I'm very excited. Uh, your next your next project uh, is something new. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Is that sure. something we can talk about? Sure, yeah. Uh, it's the world premiere of the fourth Wondrettes. So there's a series by Roger Bean uh, called The Marvelous Wondrettes. And uh, I've directed the, all three of them. So there's The Marvelous Wondrettes, there's Winter Wondrettes, there's Wondrettes Caps and Gowns, which is their graduation one. And we get to do the fourth one, which is called Dream On. Uh, which is really exciting. And uh, the reason that Roger came to us, uh, I work at a theater in Houston, Stages Repertory Theater. Uh, we've done all three of the versions of his shows and we've had a lot of success and we've used the same ladies since oh, cool. 2010. So, and they've played their same roles. So, and we actually did the Christmas version twice. So in the last six years, we've done four productions and they all have been playing their same roles since since then. So they get to do the world premiere of the next one. Uh, the, first, the original Marvelous Wonderettes that ran in Houston, it extended three times. Mm -hmm. So it kind of made this huge, crazy splash in Houston and broke records. And it ran 10 months total. Wow. So they became uh, sort of local celebrities, um, which, is, which is really great. And so they're sort of thrilled now that they get to create this fourth version with Roger in the room. Uh, excellent. Well, the reason, part of the reason I ask is Roger's directed here of a course, number of times. Of course, and he's got a history here, we yes. We did The Marvelous Wonderettes in 2013, mm -hmm. and it was it was a similar sort of experience. People didn't know quite what to expect and fell absolutely in love with it. We haven't mm -hmm. done the other two, but knowing that some of our guests may have seen that one. And the, the other thing I wanted, the, so the question I wanted to ask, knowing that this is exciting um, and that there's a little connectivity, is going from the four Marx brothers and the comedy and life <laughs> associated with them to uh, a still a musical, still something fun and interesting. But these other four women mm -hmm. that you've been knowing that you've been working with them mm -hmm. for so long, what, what's, what are you, what do you think about? What are your thoughts about that? That's, that's a, that's an interesting point. Uh, well, going back to Houston with the, with the four ladies that I've been working with for six years, it, we have created a crazy shorthand. I mean, I can say, oh, but put a cap on it or butterfly what? And they know what I'm talking about, you know, or they'll ask, oh, is it, you know, we just have a real, we're like a repertory company at this yeah. point. And I have a very specific aesthetic when it comes to comedy. So we're going to, we're going to dive right in. I bet that sing through, read through when I arrive will be pretty close to what will end up on the stage <laughs> because they know by now where their relationships live and we've sort of created a brand. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I've worked with a couple of the actors in the coconuts before, so they're familiar with 
my sensibility. Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm working with new actors, you know, it just takes a little bit of time to get on the same page, to understand the the vernacular, sorry, the vernacular, the language. Um, it takes a little time to get on the same page, to understand each other's vernacular language, jump in the pool together and sure. start playing. Sure. Um, and I, I do have a very, very specific uh, vision about comedy. I like to keep it buoyant, um, alive. I call it a yes choice. Some people may call it a po the positive spin. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can avoid the the pitfalls of negative or pulling the rug too many times, which can get so um, boring and for an audience, mm -hmm. you know, so mm -hmm. to try to keep the balls in the air all night long for two hours and send them off wanting more. Um, so anyway, so when I when I go to Houston and I, I uh, reconnect with my ladies down there, we're gonna dive right into that pool because we've we've been building it for six years. So it's it's a nice, it'll feel like coming home. Do you feel like the mom in that scenario too? Or, I or am. definitely. Well, I'm called Mama Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So whether it's working with the Marx Brothers or your Wonderettes, the analogy the analogy holds up. We're diving in the pool, yep. and you're playing mom. Yep. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. We're excited to see the Coconuts opening uh, in the 2016 season, and as you said, running through October. Uh, lots of chances to see lots of different uh, versions of this comedy uh, and wonderful Great. music here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage, bard.org. Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2016 season.